It's so good to be back with family, like India was saying. And I was just thinking about that a little bit earlier. You know, um, I was talking to the early group this morning. I was saying, you know, true family, okay, true family uh, is not separated by time or space. You can be away from them in body. But when you come back together, it's like nothing's ever changed. It's like when I came to my mom's house uh, the other night. Uh, to visit with her. I knew I didn't have to ask if I could get in the refrigerator. I was just going to see what was in there. You know what I'm saying? And so when we come back together as family, uh, it's such a blessing. The most important thing we have in all the world, and we're reminded of this, uh, Tasha, Inga, families, as, as we walk through seasons like you guys are walking through in your lives right now, the most important thing we have in all of the world It's not accolades, it's not position, it's not prominence, it's not finances, it's relationships. And relationships are the most valuable thing that God has given us on this planet. And so, um, you know, the scripture says that where your uh, treasure is, that's where your heart goes. And so uh, I'm approaching five decades on this planet. And uh, I used to think 50 was so old. 50 is the new 20, in case y'all hadn't heard. And, and salt and pepper are in. Come on now. Come on now. Yeah. It's too much work to do anything else. That's right now. That's right. Then you're trying too hard, right? <laughs> Got four colors going, and that's not good. <laughs> but where your treasure is, that's where your heart goes. And... You know, I used to think about that in a lot of different ways. But now I understand the greatest treasure we have on this planet is our relationship with God and our relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so as our treasure moves into eternity, which is alive and well, in case you didn't know it. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses up there today looking on, cheering us on. But... You know, Hannah and I were talking about this the other day. We were talking about how when Jesus sat down with the people that meant the most to him in this life while he was here physically in relationship with, he just sat them down and had a conversation with them. He just said, look, guys, he's like, and gals, where I'm about to go, you can't go just yet. He said, that's not King James. That's my talk. But he's like, where I'm going, you can't go now. But I'm going to do some things, right? It's not to float around on a cloud. We don't have any idea what... how engaged we're going to be on the other side. But he said, I'm going to do some stuff. Didn't he? That's what he said. He said, I'm going to prepare a place. He was trying to paint a picture for us about what he was going to be engaged on our behalf. I go to prepare a place for you. I'm going to get things ready. And so when our loved ones move into eternity, I just see them right there with Jesus doing whatever is needed to be done, both there and back here, getting things ready for us, moving us to that place. And so we want to run the race well. So when it's our time to step into eternity, if the Lord comes back or we go home to be with the Lord, how many of you know it's the great, we were created to be in the presence of God. We are strangers. We are aliens. We are pilgrims on this planet. This is not our home. This is not where we were created to to be. We were created to be here to know him and make him known and then move on out. Move on out into eternity, which is fantastic. And so um, we love uh, Inga, Tasha, all the families. Uh, So much could be said there, but uh, it's just good to be with. It's good to be with family. And uh, thank you guys for for loving us. Thank you for loving your pastors the way that you do. And and uh, um, I know that, you know, but we have been with them and watched them for decades. Work 365, 24, seven, because they love you and they love the kingdom of God. And uh, they 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 labor in, uh, in love and they labor in joy, but they labor. And so it's a good season for them. And you guys are so strong and this church is so uh, stable in so many ways. And many of you have had so many people come through here and so many people in this body that are anointed and called and are carrying the torch, being mentored by your pastors and going uh, on behind them. And so it's just fantastic. And so uh, we just love this church. It's good. It's good to be home. I don't know. You know, two weeks in a row, two Willises in a row, that might be a little bit much. 
Um, I was getting some, I was in church last week and I was getting some text and it was like, your dad is a preaching machine. And he was like 74 years old and still rolling. And uh, so in case you didn't know, that was my pops last week uh, here at the church. And I love my mom and dad uh, so, so much. You know, the Bible says to give honor where honor is due. We honor our pastors here at this church. We honor our elders. Uh, I won't start calling all the names, but we honor those who have pioneered and gone before. Unless we ever start thinking that we've got it all together, you know, we would never be where we are unless someone had brought us to that point. We always are standing on somebody else's work. We're always standing on someone else's shoulders. We're always standing in a path that someone else blazed. And then God expects us to go from there. Amen. And so I love my mom and dad. They have faithfully served God all of my life. And they're such a great example to me of who God is and how we're to live this life. And so um, I, I do have his DNA, but I, don't, I do not attain to his preaching DNA. Uh, he is it's phenomenal. I've been doing it for years and still loves to do it. And so, amen. So I've been chatting a little bit. So wake up your neighbor and tell him, okay, now he's going to get to the good stuff. Let's join hands with somebody. Let's just pray and invite the Holy Spirit to do the work. I've been in a lot of churches, and you, you have too, where you come and you go. You come one way and you leave the same way. But we don't want to leave the same way we came in today. We've already been touched by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we can do nothing without you. We're entirely, completely holy, dependent upon your presence, your voice, your power. God, you see every person in this place. God, you know every need. God, you know every struggle. God, you see every heart. God, you know us and you love us. It doesn't matter. Every person in this place is here today, God, because by your hand you've brought them here. So, God, do in our lives what you desire to do, God. Do in our lives. God, set us free. Heal our souls. God, bring breakthrough in our lives. God, reveal yourself to us. Speak to us by your spirit and let us hear by your spirit because we love you, God, and we need you in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Peyton uh, had an injury to her hand. Yeah, Chance Stan- and Jessica Stanley's daughter. Do I? Her thumb. Okay. So let's just lift up Peyton right now. She's at the ER. Father, we believe you, God, to intervene. Supernatural intervention from heaven, God. Your power, God. Your anointing, God. Your presence, God. Turn that thing. What the enemy intended for evil, turn it for good in the authority of Jesus' name. Let it be a miracle. God, let it be a miracle, God. We choose to believe your report, God, of her little Peyton's thumb, her hand, for the glory of God. Let her see your power. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I'm going to tell you like the big preachers do. Turn to your neighbor. What do they say? Slap them three times? No, don't do that. Tell them, tell them that you're glad to see them this morning. They do that because they got something to do, right? I need to take a drink. So turn to your neighbor and tell them, good morning. It's good to be in the house of God. That means some of you husbands and wives are speaking for the first time since yesterday. You know it's true. You know it's true. Praise God. Well, let's get into the Word of God, which changes our lives. The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. Every time we read it, how many know it reads us? (laughs) It's, It's a scalpel that cuts away what we don't need. And how many of you know it's a sword that takes care of our enemy? His Word is a lamp into my feet and it's a light into my path. It's not a ritual. It's not an obligation. It's life. It's life. And so we're going to look into the Word this morning. And the Holy Spirit has what you need today. Nobody else in this room may know what you're going through. You may know what you're going through, but likely, like me, you don't know what you need. Aren't you glad that we serve one that knows what we need? And if we'll open ourselves to Him, He'll give us exactly what we need. Hallelujah. The bridge to nowhere 
is a, an actual arch bridge that was built in 1936 north of Azusa, California in the San Gabriel Mountains. It was meant to be part of a roadway system through the San Gabriel Mountains. However, it was abandoned while still under construction during the Great Flood in March of 1938. Forever leaving the bridge to nowhere in the middle of what is now the Sheep Mountain Wilderness. How many of you know that this bridge, it began with a specific purpose and goal? It was designed and its intent was to join together two metropolitan cities. But because of some unforeseen obstacles and circumstances and challenges that came along after the bridge was started, the bridge was never finished. And because it was never finished, it never was able to fulfill and live out its intent and its purposes. And, and from that point in time, people go and see it, but they go, it's an icon of what it means to start something and not be able to finish it. It never realized what it was created to do. And how many of you know that so many times our lives are the same way? It's easy to start something. It's exciting to start something, but it's not so easy to finish things in our lives. Starting is easy. Starting is exciting. We all like to start things, but between start and finish, how many of you know there's going to be a journey? See, start and finish are the bookends that form the completion of valuable things in our lives. Just think how many projects, women, think about how many projects that were started at home by your husbands that have not been seen through to completion. How many bridges to nowhere are around your house and in your garage? Those shelves that were started that were never completed, that yard job that, uh, uh, that was going to be completed that was never done. How many of you know? How many of you would confess this morning and say you've got at least one thing that you have started at home that you have not yet completed? Let me see your hand. All right. Confession is good for the soul. And there's a million reasons why things are started and not finished, right? But whatever the reason is, not finishing yields the same result. It doesn't matter why we started it and why we didn't complete it. The, the why doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, if it's not finished, it yields the same results. Because the value of anything in life, any project, any journey, is not realized in its inception, but it, but, but it is realized in its completion. Everybody say completion. See, the value of any journey is realized in reaching the destination. The value of any race is realized in crossing the finish line. If you're going to run the race and you're going to run the race to win, it's not till you cross the finish line. You may have good intentions and you may have trained hard and you may have the number on your chest and you may have taken off running or I may have taken off running when the start. Not me, probably, because I don't run races like that. I watch people run races, right? But the trophy, the accolades, the medal, the prize is not given to those that start. It's given to those that finish. Starting is good, but finishing is better. The value of any seed is realized in harvest season. The value of the seed is not when it's planted, although it's, it has to happen. How many of the value of the seed isn't seen in its fruition and in its completion until the harvest comes and the fruit comes forth? In our lives, there is a start and there is a finish to every promise. There is a start and a finish to every journey that God calls us on. There is a start and a finish for anything that we are pursuing in this life. And I feel like the word that God's given me today, however it comes out, is this. It's time for us and it's a season to fight for the finish. All of us in this room are in various stages and degrees of, of in all walks of life, believing God for things, facing things, in a journey, 
in doubt, wondering, partially in faith, all these things, whether it's a child, whether it's finances, whether it's our future. I don't know what season you're in, but at some point you started into that season. And chances are, if you're in this room today, you start the seasons of your life trusting God. But there will be obstacles and there will be challenges and there will be unexpected things that come our way. And what the devil wants to do with those things in our life, those dreams that God's placed in us, those callings and things he's called us to do, those those uh, those family members that we're believing for all of these things that are working in our lives, what the enemy would like to do is wash it out. And let that once promise become a bridge to nowhere in our lives. But it is not God's intention for him to start something in our lives and not see it through to the finish. So what's beating in my heart and has been for several weeks since pastor asked me to speak was this word. It's time to come into a season in our lives to finish. It's a season to finish. It's a season to finish. And I believe that God is going to birth that in our spirits today. If there's things in our life that need to change, if there's things in our life that we've laid to the side, if there's things in our life that we've given up on, if there's things in our life if that we're in doubt over, if there's things in our life that we don't know where it's going, I'm just telling you that God wants to birth a sense in our spirit that He is bringing us into a season where He who began, a good work in our lives. We'll be faithful to finish it for the glory of God. The benefits, the reward, the transformation, the harvest is only realized in our lives when something is finished. See, the value of any promise is in its fulfillment. It's great to have a promise. We can start with a promise. We can start with a word. We can start with the intent and the purpose. Just like that bridge, there can be a lot of investment, blood, sweat, and tears, a lot of hours. We can start. But how many of you know that if we don't finish, then we don't see the fulfillment? The enemy doesn't really care what we start in life. He just cares if we finish. Because if he can stop us somewhere along the way, he knows that the value and the intent and the purpose that God had planted in that seed will never be realized and its potential will never come forth. So are you starters or are you finishers? It's good to be a starter, but God is calling us to be a people that are finishers. I told a story uh, in early service and I'll, I'll tell it again, you know, way back in the day. Um, um, at Victory Christian School. I was a graduate of Victory Christian School and, uh, a long time ago. And uh, 1988, but prior to that, we had us a little bitty tackle football team. We played a little six-man football, a little eight-man football. And uh, one, uh, a couple years in, into our football program, uh, we, we were like those kids that the helmets didn't fit and the chin straps. And I mean, I'm telling you, we didn't have the equipment. We didn't. We used to practice on a on a gravel field, didn't we, Miss McRae? It toughened us up, but that was tough. And um, but Coach Bell, how many of you know Roger Bell, who started Victory Christian School along with Brother Jerry and Sister Elaine? He was our coach. And he would whip us into shape. But one, that second year, he decided it would be good for us to play up a little bit to competition. And he scheduled a, a football game for us to play up at Sparkman. Now, Sparkman Public School. And they outmanned us. They out-equipped us. They had, they had everything. We had one guy that would be on the bench. I believe, Jeremy, wasn't it you and John that were alternating on the bench? <laughs> it was me and Jeremy and Terry and Jerry Nallen. That was four, uh, four of us right there. Uh, and we played, we played a game there that year. We went there. And, man, i tell you what. It was, a terrible, it was a terrible day for us conquerors. We were not conquering much, let me tell you. And... Um, it was pouring down rain. It was a mud fest. It was, a, it was bad conditions. And we were just getting 
trounced. We didn't. I and and at that point in time, they I don't know why they had me uh, taking the ball and playing quarterback. And man, I just I would take the ball and they would be all just throw it. We, we weren't making any progress. And I remember I fumbled the ball close to halftime and they dogpiled on me and I was underneath a water puddle. I thought I was going to drown and and uh, it was just a terrible. It was a terrible day. It's like facing the giants, right? And we went into halftime and I and I have to make a confession. I didn't. Grow, I grew up with an older sister. I didn't grow up with boys and siblings, and I didn't grow up fighting and all that tough stuff. Uh, but I was doing doing my best. But I came into the locker room, and I remember I was so scared. That those guys scared me, and I couldn't think. I couldn't operate. I couldn't do anything because I was in so much fear. And I remember coming in, and Coach Bell, he was in there, and uh, and I slipped off to the side, and I said, Coach, I said, I just got to tell you something. I said, I'm scared to death. I said, I don't think I can go back out. I can't finish this game. And we didn't have anybody to spare, right? Well, that was just like pouring gasoline on a fire when I said that to Coach Bell. <laughs> Boy, I'm telling you what, he gave the speech of our lives. He told us it didn't matter what the scoreboard said. It didn't matter how big those guys were. It didn't matter what the conditions on that field were. We had come this far. We had started this game. We're going to play all four quarters. And we may be down and we may not score a point and we may not move the football, but we're not going to quit. We're not going to give up. We're not going to back down. We're going back out on the field. And he would do whatever he had to do to keep us between the lines because fear wasn't going to have a place there. So I remember I went back out. I was just as scared as when, but I was more scared of Coach Bell than I was of the Spartan Raider. I knew he'd be going home with me. I knew what that would come to mean. So we went out the second half and we just dug in. We just hung on for dear life. We just did everything that we could. How many of you know it's like that in life sometimes? Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes we don't see a way through. Sometimes we're scared to death. Let's be real. As Christians, how many of you know we aren't the, we aren't the perfect people of faith? Always just got it all together without doubts or wavering. Or, but we, how many of you know that faith is not the absence of fear? Faith is courage to move forward in the face of fear in the name of Jesus. So we went out there and I do not know how we did it. Some things happened. I remember one time I think I threw the pass with my eyes closed. But glory to God, an angel caught it and put it in one of our guys' hands and he ran for a touchdown. At the end of the night, all I can tell you is VCS 14, Spartan 12. And, and I'm sorry if you're from Spartan, but we have to gloat a little bit. They never scheduled us for a football game again. <laughs> to God be the glory. I'm glad we didn't have to play them again. Amen. But how many of you know it's like that in life? In your marriage, over your children, over your future, over your health. You get in the middle of the game. You started something. Your uniform was pressed and clean. But it don't look like that no more. You've taken some hits. You're down and out. You mean Christians get that way? Well, let's just take a vote. Does anybody believe Christians get that way? Let me raise your hand. If you ain't raising your hand, come on. You know, but we get in those times and we get to that half half time. And it matters. It matters what we choose in those moments. Whether we choose to finish or choose to give up is consequential in life. See, God has called us to be people that even in the midst of all of that, we can draw close to Him in His presence. And He can coach us. And He can encourage us. And He can empower us. And He can lift us up. And He can direct us. And He can uphold us. And He can prepare us. How many of you know He's that kind of God? He says, buckle that chin strap back up. He said, because it matters if you finish or not. How many of you know that if we finish or not, it's consequential? Consequential means there are consequences to the choices we make in life. God gave us free will. It's an amazing thing, right? Have you ever thought, I wish he wouldn't, I wish he would just take care of everything in life, but that's not the way that it is. He gives us free will. We can love him or we cannot love him. We can follow him or we don't have to follow him. We can believe him or we cannot believe him. We can start with him and finish with him, or we can start with him and we can give up and become a bridge to nowhere in areas of our life. But it matters whether or not we see it through to the end. Whether we stay in it for four quarters or not makes an impact. See, we think about consequences being a bad thing. Consequences is a neutral word. 
There can be positive consequences or there can be negative consequences. But the choices we make on a daily basis are consequential to my life and to those that are connected to me. We do not live life in a vacuum. I don't care who you are or how much you think about yourself. Your life is interconnected with people around you. If the quarterback doesn't go back out on the field, the team is impacted by that decision. In our lives, it matters whether or not we choose to finish what God has put in front of us. Just think about all of the people in the word of God and maybe some people even in this room that you look at their lives and you look at victories that they have won. You look at battles that they have come through. And so many times we're guilty in the social media uh, generation, right, posting Posting the end, right? We're good. Most people that post are going to post the finish, right? They're going to look what happened. And so we look at people in the Bible and we look at their stories and we say, wow, I wish my life could be like that. But how many of you know that was the finish? They started just like you and I. They had a journey just like you and I. They had obstacles and opposition and hurts and wounds, and battles, and unexpected things that came their way. And they had to walk the whole thing out. They had to play all four quarters. Just think about some of the people in the Bible. We, I, I think growing up in church, you know, you get these ideas of all these Bible stories and stuff, and you just think of them, think of them many times just in the positive light. But just think about Moses at just this part of his life where... God came to him in a burning bush and we can't get into all of it. But basically the part where he said, go and deliver my people. I'm going to put the words in your mouth and you go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. How many of you know that obedience is our responsibility? Outcome is his. We're not responsible for the outcome, but we are responsible for the obedience. So Moses obeyed God. And if I was a guessing person, I would guess that he probably obeyed God a little bit tentatively. With a little bit of doubt. Can we be real? Has anybody ever heard God and had to step out and wasn't really sure about what you were doing? See, God will never call us to anything in life that doesn't need him. If God calls us to something, we're going to need him to walk it out. But you think about Moses and he went to Pharaoh. He told Pharaoh, he said, I am that I am said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no, right? And what what happened with that? Moses heard God. Moses obeyed God. Moses did what he was supposed to do, but it didn't look like God did what he was supposed to do. Have you ever felt like that in life? So then came a plague and then came the second time he did the same thing in three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Do you think at any space along that journey that Moses contemplated throwing in the towel? I mean, if he was human and he was breathing, he probably had doubts. He probably had unbelief. He probably had struggles. And he's like, God, this is the eighth time you've told me to do the exact same thing. And every time I obey and every time I do my responsibility, you know, I'm just saying, I'm waiting on you. Right? He could have quit at seven. He could have quit at eight. He could have quit at nine. But how many of you know that he saw it through to the finish? To everything, there is a season. To everything, there is a purpose under the sun. There is a time to plant and there is a time to reap. There is a time to start. But God wants us to know today that there is a time to finish. Think about Noah. Oh, that's a great story, right? But do you know that scholars say that it was anywhere between 60 and 80 years it took him to build the boat? 60 and 80 years to build the boat. I mean, for one thing, why didn't God just, you know, put it out there? But that's not the way God works. He calls us to a journey. And it's that journey that brings us closer to him. It's that journey that forms us to look more like him. It's that journey that makes everybody around us go, what are you doing? It's that journey that nobody else can understand. And it makes you stand on your own two feet on the rock that is Jesus Christ. Moses and his family was building that boat and there had not never even been any rain on the earth. 
Do you think at some point in time where he was sweaty and he was hot and he had hit his thumb and, 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 all, and the kids were wanting to go to Starbucks and he was trying to get the boat built? You know what I'm saying? Do you think at any point in time he may have wanted to give up? There's some of you here this morning that, that you feel like giving up. But God wants you to know that he's not done. So he doesn't want you to be done. But the consequences, if Moses wouldn't have went through the 10th plague, right? Would there have been consequences? Just think about it. He was to be the deliverer of the nation of Israel. But because he saw it through to the finish, those people were set free from 500 years of bondage. And they began their trek to the promised land. It mattered to them if Moses threw in the towel. It mattered to uh, to Noah's family... And all those two by two animals and the future of the planet, if Moses would have given up on year 30 or year 40 or year 50. How many of you know? How about Joseph? Boy, Joseph is a great story, but I wouldn't want to live it. Would you? Maybe you have lived something similar to that. Joseph betrayed. Joseph hated. Joseph was a cast off. Joseph had a dream. God had called him to something in life. And let me just say this too. Destiny is not the end destination of your life. Destiny is today. Today is consequential in your destiny. Destiny is day of destiny after day of destiny after day of destiny. I heard it said that it's the things that no one sees that yields the results that everyone wants. Let me say it again. It's the things that no one else sees that yields the results. Everyone, I want their anointing. I want their marriage. I want their calling. I want their position. It's the things that no one sees that yields the results that everyone wants. You don't get the results without the behind the scenes journey. It just takes it. It just takes it. And so we can't look at the end of the game and say that's what... I want, we, I want today, God. I embrace today, God. This is the day that you have made. So life is like not one race. It's like a series of legs of a race. It's heat one. You start heat one and God calls you through heat one. And you finish heat one and you get to the end of heat one and, and you receive the value of that race that you've run. I've fought a good fight. I've finished this part of my course, right? It's not just at the end of your life that they can say that. If I don't do it today, they can't say it at the end of my life. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. Now there is laid up for me the value, the prize, the end of the finish. So I run today well and I run tomorrow well. And what I'm doing is I'm taking the slices of destiny that God has for my life and they build one on the other, on the other, on the other. It's not a waiting game to wait to see if God's going to do something and bring me into the promise. I have to walk it out on a daily basis. I start this race and it's one step in front of the other, in front of the other. And it gets hard and it gets tiring. But how many of you know that even in those moments, God wants us to come to a place where we know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Where we can stand and say in the midst of the battle, none of these things move me. Because it's not the external things that control my peace. It's not the external things that control my joy. It's not the external things or people or circumstances that have any control over my destiny. It's Him. And He walks with me. And He talks with me. And He tells me that I am His own. And I don't remember the rest of it. The joy we share. What is it, Mom? As we tarry there, wow, there's that word again. It's a journey. It's a journey. It's a journey. It's a journey. We get tired on the journey. We get lost on the journey. <laughs> we, we, we get into doubt on the journey. Hey, it's just the way it works. But it's consequential what we do in the middle of the journey. God, through Moses and Deuteronomy, spoke to the people and said, I set before you today, blessing and cursing, life and death. Didn't he do the same thing for Adam and Eve in the garden? Two trees, 
Today you got two trees. You got quit or finish. You got give up or get up. God is able. God hasn't changed. What God has for you and I is still the same. He knows us inside and out. And He's for us and He's not against us. It matters. It matters. It matters. The choices that we make at these moments in our lives. If Noah wouldn't have finished the boat, his family wouldn't have been preserved from the flood. If Moses wouldn't have... If Moses wouldn't have seen through the tenth plague, the children wouldn't have been delivered. If Joseph, as I was saying, if he wouldn't have fought through his abandonment, his rejection, the hatred from his family, as he is sold as a slave, falsely accused in the dungeon, in a place that he didn't see himself going, if he wouldn't have fought through to the finish of forgiveness, how many of you know there would have been a significant negative impact? Like he and his brothers were like the 12 tribes of Israel, right? Was that going to happen if there wasn't family reconciliation? But Joseph saw it through to the finish. God has called us to be a people that fight for the finish in our lives. I'd say that represented in this room today, there are some important things in our lives that are incomplete, that are half done, that are forgotten, maybe given up on, maybe set to the side for any number of reasons. You may have a really good reason. How many of you know, guys, we can start building that shelf with a million different screws and a piece of paper that's this big, you can't read off of it, whatever. We're building the shelf and we can have a very good reason to stop in the middle of it. It doesn't matter what the reason is that we stop. At the end of the day, it will not function. It will not produce for its intended purpose if it's not completed. So no matter where you're at in life, wherever you're at, whatever battle you're in, whatever season that you're in, there are some seasons that are in the middle of. There are some promises in here that are not yet fulfilled. Can I get a witness? Let me see your hand. There are some destinations that are yet unreached. There is some ground in this room that's yet to be taken. And there's a lot of good reasons that we haven't finished Yet, but God is saying to us today, it's time to come out of the locker room, play all four quarters and finish what he's put in front of us. It's time to get back in that game. See, Jesus is our example. How many of you know that he was a finisher? In John 4, 34, Jesus himself said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, to finish his work. In John 5, 36, he said, but I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the father has given me. Listen, the works that the father has given me to finish. How many of you know God's given things to all of us? He expects us to finish the works that the father has given me to finish the very works that I do bear witness of me. And, and remember this statement, the very last words that Jesus spoke while he was physically on this planet before he died. He said when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished with that. He bowed his head and died. But in revelations, he said this, I am the alpha and the omega. I am the I thought y'all would say start and finish. Y'all must not know your Greek very well. No, that's not. That's what the Bible says, right? I'm the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. It's the way that God operates. He doesn't start something without finishing it. All he needs is our cooperation. All he needs is our participation. Paul said in the book of Acts, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may, everybody say the word. If only I may finish This leg of the race that God has me in. How many of you know we don't start heat three until we finish heat two? We want to skip and jump and get down the road, but it's not the way that it works. It's time to rise up and run the leg that's in front of us to run. 
Not quit. Not give up. Not shrink back. The glory of God. God's called us to be finishers. In Hebrews 12, 2, the Scripture says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Stephen, could you come on up and play? So, I got seven points that I hadn't started on. I'm still in the introduction. Isn't that good? Like father, like son. So, I'm not going to go there today. I feel like what God is wanting to do in this moment is to stir something in us. Look, engage. Engage the Spirit of God. It's up to you and me. You can engage the Spirit of God. In this moment, I believe what He wants to do before we leave here is that He wants to impart something fresh in us. That regardless of how we ended up where we are and whether we gave up on something 20 years ago or whether we're we're thinking that we're going to give up on it now. It's a season that God says that if you will grab hold of my presence and my promise, it's a season to receive an impartation to finish. To finish. Philippians 1.6 says this, that I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue His work until it is finally finished. God wants to finish some things. And as I'm talking about them, the devil's not wanting us to finish some things. David said this, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. How many know whatever you magnify becomes bigger? So the enemy's got a magnifying glass that he likes to put over all the obstacles and all the problems and all the people and all the words that have been spoken and all the issues. And he likes to put that right up to our eyes. And the devil says, oh, magnify the issues with me. Oh, let's magnify the person. Let's magnify the problem. But David knew the key was magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. His name is the supernatural name. His name is the name that's above every name. It takes Him to win. It takes Him to come into victory. It takes Him to turn it around. It takes Him to bring transformation. Look, if we could have done it, how many know we'd have done it? If you could have done it, if you could have fixed it, would you have fixed it by now? We can't do it. We walk by faith and not by sight. That means that If you and I would have designed the game, we may have designed it a little bit differently. God, you asked me to believe. God, you asked me to follow. That's not an easy thing to do. Think about Joshua and the the nation of Israel as they came upon into the promised land upon the city of Jericho. I've been reading that a little bit recently in a little bit different light. And as they were approaching that obstacle, God had called them to finish, leave Egypt through the wilderness, come into their promised land. But when they crossed the Jordan and they got on the edge of the promised land, there were still battles to fight. They were still in the third quarter. They had to finish the game to realize the promise. And they come up against the first obstacle in the promised land. And it was huge. It was a small city that was surrounded by great big walls, walls that were so high, walls that were so thick that they could run chariots and horses and have races around the top of them. It was impenetrable. It was impossible to man. There are things in your life and my life today that are impossible. They are tightly shut up and there's no way that we can go in. But God. God had a plan. And historians tell us that there were five different strategic proven ways to attack a walled city. And God was about to use none of them. He has his own way. He has his own plan. He has his own steps. And 99.9 times, let me back that up, 101 times out of 100, it won't look or resemble anything we thought it should be. That's where faith comes in. And so as I was reading over this again, God and Joshua, how many of you know they were hanging out together a whole lot? And let me just say this, this was my first point, but I'll just say this. The key to everything in life is His presence. 
The key to everything in this life is His presence. If we're with Him, then we have what we need. If we're with Him, we can hear His voice. If we're with Him, He can empower us. As Joshua, Joshua was hanging out with the Lord, the Lord gave him the plan to take the city. He said, this is how this thing is going to open up in your life. This is how this wall is going to come down in your life. And he gave him a plan. And y'all all know the plan. I don't have to tell you the plan. It, walk around the wall one time a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, you know, they got the ark and they got the trumpets and the priest. And on the seventh day, you walk around seven times. How many of you know seven is the number of completion? It's the number of finish. Six is the number of man. Seven is the number of completion. And so as I was thinking about this, Joshua gets the download from heaven and God tells him what to do. And then he goes out to his people and he doesn't tell them what God said. Did he? He told them a little bit. He didn't tell them that seven days, seven times on the seventh day, and then the walls would fall down flat. Y'all probably already knew that, but that was a revelation to me. And I don't know why he didn't tell him, but here's kind of what I was thinking. I'm thinking that Joshua may have had a little bit of shaky faith. Anybody ever had any shaky faith? God, I, I think this is you. I hope this is you. I'm going to step out and believe this is you. But I'm going to hold a little bit back just in case. And then you think about the children of Israel on the other side. The leader comes out and says, this is what we're going to do today, guys. Get your swords, get your trumpets and everything and go out. And this is the plan. We're going to march around the city. And then, and they say, then, and then we're going to come back and we're going to stop. And they're like, God, why, why are you having us do this? How many of you know that encircling the problem prepares us for the promise? When we circle the problem, when God is leading us, is preparing us for the promise. See, there were going to be battles to fight when the walls come down and they needed to be ready to fight them. There were things that they couldn't take. There were things that they couldn't touch. There were things that they couldn't do. And there were things they were supposed to do. And God had to make sure they were ready for the walls to fall. God is preparing you for the walls to fall. God is preparing you for the next heat. He's preparing you for the next leg. We want to rush through this one. We want it to happen now. And God's saying, keep doing what I'm saying to do and you will be ready. You will be ready. You know, when it comes to faith, you know, I was thinking, we like to see some movement. Is anybody like me? Andy, you like me? If I'm believing God for something, I'm looking for a sign that something's happening. Am I just that spiritually immature? Or we got some real people in here? God, I've been praying for 20 minutes. And this mountain ain't moved yet. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Wouldn't it have been nice if after they walked around the walls one time, since they were going to do it seven times, we'll do a little bit of math fractions here. After they walked around at one time, one seventh of the wall collapsed. Ka-chunk, and the wall got one seventh shorter. Wouldn't that have been great? Oh, they could see it working. Remember the song we were singing earlier? Even when I can't see it working. God, I know you're still working. See, that's what faith is. It's choosing to believe. It's choosing to walk. It doesn't mean there's an absence of fear. It doesn't mean that there's an absence of anxiety. I have it, but I'm going to keep on walking. I'm going to stay in the game. After the second day, if it dropped two sevens, then three sevens, and we could say, I know this is working. It's working. But it didn't happen that way. We trust and we obey, for there's no other way. We trust and we obey and we walk around the wall and we walk around the wall and we walk around the wall. And how many of you know that when we're believing God for things in our life, oftentimes, see, they didn't know about the seventh day and the seven times. It was just an open ended battle for them. They just had to trust that God was going to show up on time. You know, I think many times in our lives, we believe that God can do something. It's just really hard for us to trust him when he's going to do it. <laughs> yeah, God, I know you're able God, I know you're able, but I'm just not sure about your timeline. But how many of you know we keep walking? We keep trusting. And I can see Joshua coming to that seventh day, that seventh time around. And he hadn't told him this is it, guys. He just said, I've got to take this one more step towards the finish line. And he said, blow the trumpets. And he said, lift up a mighty shout. And when he did, he stepped across the finish line. And the walls came down flat. See, what we have to do today, wherever you're at in the process, you got to keep walking today like today is the last day. you got to keep walking like today is the seventh lap. 
The seventh lap on the seventh day because we don't know as we trust God. Let's be real. What else are we going to do? Well, Peter said this. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? He's like, you alone have the words of life. He's like, you know, they say you're a prophet and teacher and all that. You know, I don't believe all that. You are Jesus, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Are you going to abandon me? Where else would we go, Jesus? We have no other options. That's a good place to be because that gets us right into a place of complete dependency. Let's stand to our feet real quick. Fight for the finish. Fight for the finish. Fight for the finish. I believe that today God wants to break off some things that have been keeping us from moving forward. Moving forward. God wants some people to pick up some things that have been set down. He wants to impart a spirit of finish, if there is such a thing, of faith to finish, hope to finish vision to finish belief to finish in some lives here today to cut us off from the things that have held us back and to bring us into a new place in the spirit where we say you know what i may have fear i may have doubt you know do you know god knows us and we can put on a pretty face for everybody else but he knows what's in our heart anyway it's just better to be honest you know and all the other disciples were like we believe and thomas was like not me You know, unless I can see his hands and I can touch the the scar on his side, I I can't believe. And and Jesus didn't show up and say, Thomas, you bad disciple, did he? What did he do? He came close to him and said, Thomas, come here. Look, feel, see. He will meet us where we are. He's okay with shaky faith as long as we're reaching out for him. So I believe this morning we're going to close with a praise We're going to close with an opportunity to magnify the Lord and exalt His name and believe that God is going to rest upon us a spirit of finish. Faith to finish this leg of the journey. Consequential leg. Maybe you've never came to the point where you stepped across the line and given your life to the Lord. Today is your day to step across that line and begin a new life. I don't know where you're at in your life this morning, but today is the day. And what we're going to do is we begin singing. What Indy and I want to do is just meet you here. Anybody that says, you know what? I need that in my life. I need that in my life. I want God to impart that into my life today. In whatever shape, matter, or form that may be, I want Him to impart that in my life. Come forward and worship. Find you a place in the altars to worship if that's you. If that's you, and then we're just going to just stay back just a little bit off the front. And we're just going to walk down through here as you're worshiping, as you're magnifying the Lord. And as everybody else is magnifying the Lord, we're just going to quickly lay hands on you and agree with you that God is imparting something into your life that you need for the glory of God. So let's, this is our closing worship. And if you need prayer, come to the front.